0: There it is. Hey, what's going on, everyone? How are we doing tonight? All right. couple hand claps, a couple woots. It's good. Everyone at home, we can't hear you. Maybe you should make some noise, though. Just like a woot at home, and we'll trust that you did that. But uh, welcome to Element City Church. My name's Lyle. How's Lyle. Uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to get to worship tonight. I was about to ask how you're all doing, and I realized I already did that. So I'm just, yeah, sorry. I'm thinking about tuning, and then I'm thinking about talking, and uh, I just need to stop multitasking. All right, so... Hi We're gonna do that again. So, welcome to Element City Church. Uh, We're so glad that you're here tonight and and have chosen to worship with us. Uh, If it's your first time, we always love to let you know a couple things. One, we've got a church app that you can jump into your App Store or the Google Play Store, you can download it there. Uh, That's got all the information about the church uh, and most importantly, it has the connection card. So if you tap that connection card, you can fill in some information. Just let us know a little bit about yourself. Uh, And if you take that at the end of the service back to the back corner here, we have the 10-minute party. So we love to talk about the 10-minute party. It's it's a party that's no longer than 10 minutes, and then you don't even have to be back there for 10 minutes. You can be back there for one minute if you want to. If you're that introverted person who's like, hey, I filled this out, uh, and you want a free gift, we've got a free gift for you too. So that's, that's probably why you want, would want to go get it, because we have the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon, and we want to share it with you. We really do. So if you head back there after the service, uh, you can meet Jack. He'll be back there. Uh, we'd love to get to know a little bit more about you and, and just let you know how uh, we love to serve as a church and how we can get you involved so if you're at home and you're like man that kettle corn sounds delicious i agree it does sound delicious how can you get some sorry you have to come into person but if if you're at home and you want to still fill out that connection card you can also text 520-340-6868 just text the word hello Uh, that'll send a link and you can tap the link fill out the information all that stuff we'll uh we'll get in touch with you that way as well um yeah i think that's it everyone's hanging out over here on the side Guys, come on out. Let's come on out together. Let's all stand together as well. You don't need to hear me talk and try to multitask in an awkward way when I shouldn't be. Um, We're going to pray for the Church of the Week this week. It's Rincon Mountain Presbyterian Church. And fun fact about Rincon Mountain Pres. uh, My cousin Philip is the pastor there, Phil Cruz. Uh, So Phil and his wife Shelly. Shelly's my mom's niece, even though they're only like eight years apart. So everyone always thinks that it's my uncle and aunt. But, uh, man, I they just have such a heart for Tucson. Uh, they planted that church, gosh, way back in the late 90s. I say way back, it's like 30 years ago. Um, not even that, but still. Uh, so they planted like late 90s, and uh, just to, to see how the church has grown, and uh, man, just, they've been there for me through so many seasons. Uh, but they've got a great spot. They've planted churches around town as well. So we want to lift them up, uh, and we want to pray for our night tonight. So let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. So Father, we thank you for Rincon Mountain Presbyterian Church. I thank you for my cousin Phil and Shelly. And I I thank you for their leadership over that body over the last um, several decades, God, and the way that you have built that church up and given them influence uh, in the east uh, part of of Tucson. Thank you that they've been able to plant churches and uh, just that you're on the move within that congregation, Lord. And so I I pray for uh, just vision for them, just fresh vision. I pray that uh, there'd be fresh feeling from the spirit to just know how you're calling them to continue to serve in their community and how to make a difference uh, in their little section of Tucson that you've uh, given them uh, to make an impact. But God, tonight, uh, our, our prayer is really just, would you meet us here? I love just the truth that, God, you're already present. You're always with us. You are Emmanuel, you sent your son Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. And so we have this great hope uh, that we don't have to strive in your presence any longer because you're already here, you love us. If we've placed our faith and our hope in you, your delight over us is, is something that is never ending. And so God, that's what we wanna experience tonight is your joy. And so we wanna worship you with all that we have. We wanna lift you up So God, would you uh, just make your name known tonight? Would you make your presence felt tonight? uh, Just in myriads of ways for all of us who need to have an encounter with you and with your Holy Spirit, would you uh, just remove whatever obstacles are in the way from us experiencing the fullness of your glory? And so Jesus, we just lift you up. It's all about you tonight. We pray it all in your name, amen.
1: we're clearing off the surface you're coming into focus we're going back to the basics the glory of your face is the reason why we do this the winds of worship blowing Lord, help us to remember the reason why we do this. Yes, it's all about you. Yes, it's all. story of a prodigal coming home it's all about you and every story of revival I know it's all about you your kingdom's all about life change empty graves it's all about you come on sing it again every story It's all about you. Every.
0: that's our heart tonight, Jesus, that it would be all about you. every moment tonight that we would give you glory, we would give you praise, Jesus, and so would you make that true. May you just point our hearts to you.
2: Yes,
1: it's all about you. Yes, it's all. The blood of Jesus in my veins. I've got a soul on fire in the Holy Ghost, and all my strength is in You. Cause now.
3: doo Everything you say is life.
4: Precious even in the gentlest whisper, Lord. I just ask that you anoint Pastor Jack with the words that we need to hear as your people so that we can go out and be your hands and feet, Lord. Prepare our hearts for what you have specifically for us, Lord. We just love you. I'm so grateful that we get to worship you together, Lord. And I pray all of these things in your precious and holy name, Jesus.
5: so good to have you here. And as we start, I just just want to say thank you. Thanks for being a part of the Elements family, whether you're here in the house or watching online or even watching online later in the week, because it is a beautiful day out. And I get it if you ditch church, um, and so if you're watching later on, that's the beauty of being a hybrid church as you can catch up, and, and uh, we've been in this journey called the unhurried life, kind of trying to live more at the pace of grace, and Lyle did a great job last week speaking about simplicity and just beginning this. We kind of recommended a book at the beginning called The Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer. Some of you have seen Instagram pictures of you reading, and uh, some of you have stopped us and, and just said, hey, I'm trying to slow down, and uh, I, I hope that has been a beautiful journey. My my hunch is it's been jarring at times, because um, it was for me, and as I shared a couple weeks ago, this has been a journey really for 15 years, really maybe more seriously in the last eight years or so. Um, when I when I read that quote and heard that, and God just kind of pierced my heart, uh, just Again, I'm in my 20s and 30s doing ministry and running hard after the Lord and trying to expand the kingdom and and all good things, but missing uh, a lot of things along the way. And uh, so, as tonight, as we kind of continue into this, um, I'm I'm just going to share with you my experience and what we're going to talk about tonight in Solitude and Silence I told Olivia I was gonna stand here for five minutes in silence. She thought that might be a little long. Um, I bet even just 20 seconds, for some of you, your skin starts to crawl. It starts to feel awkward. It starts to feel kinda of weird. Um, solitude and silence, if just saying those words, solitude and silence. How many introverts in the room? You're just rejoicing. It's like, hallelujah. Let's, let's experience this together. How many of you are extroverts and you're like, I, don't, I hate that. Like, I don't want any part of that. And listen, and that has been me in my journey as an extrovert, although I, I think I'm finding myself the older I get with a little bit more introverted tendencies, but still extroverted in a lot of ways. And so we're each wired different and... Um, I know this experience will be interesting. I remember as an intern, uh, one of my mentors told me, hey, you should go have some solitude time with the Lord. I want you to go take like a four-hour period and just be with God. And I was like, okay. And he gave me a little tips and trick. And so like I hiked up Pima Canyon. Anyone ever been to Pima Canyon? So I hiked up Pima Canyon and And I went there and I had plenty of water and I had my Bible and I had uh, like a journal because that that seemed important or it seemed like it's something I should do. Um, And like I was there and it was awesome for about 12 minutes. And after about 12 minutes, I was like, oh, I have three hours and 48 minutes left. Anyone ever tried solitude when it's something that's awkward or weird for you? Uh, Again, if you're an introvert, you're like, "Uh, this is just like, hallelujah. Um, But it it was really hard. And and here's what I've learned um, going on this journey. Solitude and silence, um, there's something about that that is so, so powerful in the long run. So challenging in the short run. And uh, you'll kind of see this rhythm we see in, in the life of Jesus. We'll get there in a second. But um, I, I know for me, um, I don't think I have ADD, but I feel like I do at times. And my brain hardly ever shuts off. I've had to really work at trying to turn my mind off. Um, Solitude and silence has helped with that, but I don't know if if you struggle with that at times. I don't know if you struggle with uh, laying your head on the pillow and and trying to stop thinking, Uh, but I think in our culture in which we live with so many voices and distractions in the land of constant connection, kind of our ADD swirl of culture around us, solitude and silence is where our inner voices and the desires of our heart and the desires of our life begin to surface. And the unhealthy ones stir a lot of friction and create a lot of havoc internally in ourselves. But it's also a place in solitude and silence where we can grow and begin to deepen the roots of the healthy things of life as a follower of Jesus. It's kind of a a place, uh, it's kind of a furnace for your soul in a way. Uh, When I was a kid, my mom uh, babysat uh, a lot for extra income and So in the summertime, we'd have like six or seven kids at our house, and occasionally, my mom was like, just, I I don't know why she did this, but she took us to like pottery classes like ceramics. Anyone ever done ceramics before? So like ceramics, we'd go there and we'd go to these classes, these places we'd paint, and then they would throw it in a kiln, and a kiln kind of goes everywhere from 1,500 to 2,400 degrees, and you would put your pottery in there. It would harden it in the sense that it wouldn't break, and it would be useful in that. It was this furnace that it goes into. Listen to what Henry Nouwen talks about. He says, Solitude is the furnace of transformation. It's the place of great struggle and the great encounter. The struggle against the compulsions of our false self and the encounter with the living, loving God who offers himself as a substance to the new self. Solitude and silence has a way of stirring up a lot of voices that we all wrestle with, But ultimately, if you can stay in it long enough, consistently enough, you'll begin to hear the one voice that you long to hear, the loving voice of the shepherd who watches over you and who loves you and who's with you in all things of life. And we said at the very beginning of this series, uh, we kind of took this quote from Dallas Willard, um, as followers of Christ, if we're a follower of Christ and we wanna live more and more like Jesus, What he said, as followers of Christ, we must ruthlessly begin to eliminate hurry from our lives. It's founded kind of in these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you more to do. Is that what he said? No, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. One of the thoughts we said at the first week is, see, practicing the life rhythms of my Savior with the help from my Savior will actually enable me to live more like my Savior. And that's what we long for. And so we looked at this idea of the kind of the practice of slowing in week one. The practice of simplicity last week, and Lyle did a great job unpacking that. That It's trying to give and create more margin for us to, to kind of hear and, and sense and linger in the presence of God, and that's really what we're picking up with tonight as we look at this idea of solitude and silence. So, uh, Willard talks about this idea of taking spiritual disciplines, and if you don't like that word, think of spiritual habits. Uh, Spiritual habits, people have talked about it these for centuries, but he kind of lumps them into one of two camps. One is the practices of abstinence, or the practices of engagement. Practices of engagement are those practices or the things we do. So, like engaging in reading or studying scripture, like activity and being in prayer, uh, of serving those around us. Some of you do that through serving in our uh, second Saturday food distribution, which is next week, or serving in E Kids, or serving in different teams, tech teams around here, in fellowship. That's kind of what we're doing tonight, or dinner afterwards, and fellowship with E groups, and connecting in community, and a whole host of other practices. Uh, the practices of abstinence is kind of like solitude silence, secrecy, that's when you're kind of serving in secret with no recognition, simplicity, fasting, that these kind of dual camps of practices or habits or rhythms that we're invited in, that we see in the life of Jesus, have a way of working on our soul and God using these practices to begin to carve more and more the heart of Jesus into your heart, that you would reflect him more and more. And and it's not easy for that. These practices of abstinence, here's what one writer talks about, that these are really about detangling your soul from the lures and nets that the culture throws at you. It's practices that actually help us swim against the current of culture and more and more into the rhythms of God and his ways. So solitude and silence. How many of you are over 40? Raise your hand, okay. For those of you who are over 40, you probably remember the B word, boredom. You probably remember boredom. Uh, When you were bored, you'd wait in line and you had nothing to do. If you're under 40, boredom was solved by this. In fact, you may not know, you may say you're bored, but the reality is that a study was done that 77% of people, when they come to a moment of quiet, or they come to a moment of silence, they come to a moment where they're bored, what do they do? 77% reach for their phone. And now I can be anywhere in the world. I could be looking at anything that I'm interested in or trying to distract myself away from boredom. And maybe you don't understand boredom, but what I want to invite you into is maybe a rekindling and a a, a re-lingering into the opportunity of boredom. That solitude and silence really is showing up to a moment, trying to detangle yourself from the nets and the lures of everything around you, and trying to lean into the presence and, and to the hope and to the whisper of God. That's what we're fascinated with, with the story of Elijah, right? Elijah has this incredible moment. He goes on the run. He's being chased. God, I've had enough. Take my life. God says, you need a nap and a snack. Gives it to him twice. Then he goes on this journey. He says, I'm gonna speak to you. And he doesn't show up in the whirlwind or the fire or the wind. He shows up in a whisper. And it's in the whisper that's refueling And what's interesting is you look at the life of Jesus and it's fascinating to see the correlation between Jesus and the quiet place. Now for some of you you have to correct that because you think of a movie. And I'm not thinking of the movie. I'm thinking of the quiet place in deserted and desolate places. It's an interesting story. If you have your Bibles, and I put a lot of these notes in the app. If you open up the app and kind of go to sermon notes, you'll find a lot of this in quotes and even some stuff I don't have time for tonight. Uh, But in Matthew chapter 3, the end of Matthew chapter 3, and then the first couple verses in Matthew chapter 4, it's fascinating what begins to happen. You begin to see, here's Jesus showing up to his baptism. And John the Baptist is there, and John's saying, no, 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 you, like, you need to baptize me. And Jesus is like, no, we got to get this right. you got to do this. And so like, this baptism happens of Jesus. He comes up out of the water, and a voice from heaven says these words. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, a couple side notes. How much ministry has Jesus done to this moment? Zero. This is about identity, not performance. And friends, solitude and silence will help you get in touch with the Jesus who speaks over your identity more than your performance. That is one of the best gifts you can ever have spoken into your life. Jesus, God is saying, this is my son. In him, I'm well pleased. This is not just a spiritual high or an emotional moment for Jesus. This is a blessing to him. It's the launching pad of his entire ministry. And then, with the crowd all around him, listen to the next verse. But in the very next line, you read this. Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. That's the very next verse. Don't you find that weird? That Jesus is here at the baptism. It's the launching of his ministry. And then the Spirit of God leads him to the desert for 40 days in the quiet place. What's interesting is the word desert is eramos. And eramos, you'll see in all kinds of different ways. It's described in a host, it's not just like sandy desert. It's not like the sand people of Star Wars or anything. Uh, It's this idea, has a whole wider array of meanings. Here's what it says. It's a deserted place. It's a desolate place. It's a solitary place. It's a lonely place. My favorite, it's a quiet place. It's the wilderness. However that is described, that's what Eramos is getting to. This idea that there's tons of stories all throughout four gospel accounts of Jesus' relationship with the quiet place. Of him continually retreating back to those. We see it here at the start of his ministry and for most of us, this seems weird. At first reading, you're like, well, isn't that just like the devil to come to you when you're hangry and when you're isolated and he's gonna tempt you? What's interesting is I wonder if we actually see it backwards. If the wilderness is not the place of weakness, but maybe it's the place of strength. See, it's coming out of this that Jesus launches into his entire ministry it's where he retreats over and over back to the place of Eramos, to the quiet place, and then comes and begins to speak because it's something that happens in this place. Mark chapter 1, you can read it, it, The Gospel of Mark is like a comic book, if you didn't know that. It, it's fast paced, there's very little transitions in it. It just kind of goes from one scene to another. In Mark chapter 1, it's the longest day ever, it's the start of Jesus' ministry. He's teaching. He's healing. He's done. He's healing all into the night. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, Jesus got up, went to a quiet place, to Eremos, to a deserted place, a lonely place, a wilderness place, to pray. And the disciples can't find him. And they go searching for him. Jesus... excuse me, Jesus, Uh, didn't mean to interrupt your prayer. Um, Lots of people back here, lots of ministry opportunity, lots of people coming to you. You're kind of becoming a big deal, kind of becoming famous. You need to come back here. And Jesus' response is no. I need to go to other villages around here. See, there's something that happens in the place of Aramos that I think God can whisper more about your identity and more about your purpose in those quiet places than we will ever hear in the noise and the chaos and the commotion of life. God can speak in that and he does and I pray he does for you often and he does for me too. But in the Eremos, in the quiet place, I hear way more because I'm just drowning God's voice out so often with the noise of life around me. Jesus continues on. And you go through the Gospel of Luke and you see just this rhythm of Jesus. As the Gospels go on, you quickly begin to realize that the place of Eremos, the the quiet place, was like a top priority for Jesus. So when my mentor was telling me, hey, you need to make this more rhythm of your life, it was really hard at first, just being honest and being real. I lasted 15 minutes my first time. And I was like, I, 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 I mean, I, I suffered through the next three and a half hours. I didn't get anything. I remember coming back and talking to people and like, I didn't hear a thing. Like, I thought it would be like God's going to whisper this epiphany into your life and I was like, I got nothing. You know what? There's been lots of times where I practiced the quiet place, solitude and silence, and I got nothing. But I got something. Meaning, I got to detangle myself and begin to live and lean into more and more the unhurried life and crafting an unhurried soul and mind. And it is a challenge. It is not for the faint of heart. Luke's gospel in particular begins to chart Jesus' life really along two axis points. The busier and more in demand and famous that Jesus became, you will see that he withdraws to the quiet place, to Aramos, more and more. Usually it's the exact opposite for us. When we get over busy and life is hectic and people are vying for our time, the quiet place is usually the first thing to go instead of the first thing we go to. But that's not the rhythm you see in the life of Jesus. See, in seasons of busyness, we actually need more time in the quiet place, not less time. Why? Because, I don't know if you checked, you're not Jesus. And neither am I, and I need more time in this. Henry Nouwen also said this: without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and to listen to Him. Sit with that for a second. Notice the lack of nuance here. No exceptions to the rule. No self-deprecating story to soften the blow. He's just honest. If you don't set aside time to be alone with God, your relationship will, shall we say like Jesus, wither on the vine. Isn't that what Jesus said? John chapter 15, verse one. I am the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it's even more fruitful. You're already clean because the word has spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do, and this is the word all Americans hate, you could do nothing. Well, no, no, Jesus, I can do something. Like, I may not be awesome, but I can do something. No, no, you can do nothing of kingdom importance. Sure, you can do some things. You can spin your wheels, and you can make some progress maybe on the earthly side of things, but in the kingdom side of things, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think this is what the friction is in this, because we don't like, we don't like that. Solitude and silence is not for the faint of heart. But it will be one of the basic and beautiful things that can transform your heart to be more and more reflective of Jesus. In solitude, God begins to free us from the bondage of human expectations and the voices that speak around us or over us. Solitude is the practice of being alone. Now, for some of you, that is an awesome thing. For others of you, you already push back against that. Willard says this, of all the disciplines of abstinence, solitude is generally the most fundamental in the beginning, of the spiritual life, and it must be returned to again and again as life develops. It's one of the foundation practices that all these other practices begin to build on. Jesus practiced this all throughout his life. You can see it in Matthew chapter 4, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1 verse 45, Matthew 14, Luke 6, Luke 5 that we looked at, and so all this kind of rhythm that we see Solitude, this is what John Ortberg says, solitude is the one place where we can gain freedom from the forces of society that will otherwise relentlessly mold us. See, the truth of the matter is you and I are being transformed every day. We're being conformed in a lot of ways every day, either to the current of the culture around us or to the rhythms and practices of Jesus and to his voice and his calling into us. And so what you give your attention to is what you will give your devotion to. There's no shortcuts to that. And so the invitation that we see in the life of Jesus over and over and over again is this retreating to Aramos, Luke chapter 5, There's this great verse. Jesus goes through. He's calling his first disciples. He uh, heals a leper. And then in verse 15 and 16, he says this. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That era, Moss. Jesus often withdrew. It's this imitation, this solitude. Here's how you approach solitude. It's really complicated. Actually, I'm gonna simplify it. Here's, when you come to solitude, here's what you do. You ready? You ready? Nothing. What? Nothing. Like, I need an agenda. Like, I'm supposed to read some Bible passages. I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to journal a little bit. No, no, you don't come with an agenda. I've tried throughout the years. Like, So I've done, uh, my first time I tried a three day retreat, Um, I read nine books in three days. You wanna know why? Because I was going bonkers. I was. I was stir crazy. I hated being alone. I didn't talk to anyone for three days. Do you know how hard that is for an extrovert? I, well, that's a lie. I walked to Dairy Queen so I could actually talk to somebody when I ordered my ice cream cone. Because I couldn't stand the silence. And so I came back from that, and I read that much because I was bored. I didn't know what to do. I was like, God, I want to hear from you, but I'm like, I have to have an agenda. I have to have something to do. And so I just started reading. I did a three-day retreat last year, and I've scheduled one every year of my life for the last four years, and I didn't want to come home. I love my family. I love them. So I did come home, but it was such a gift. And so I try to steal little moments of solitude and silence because I'm learning that it's actually helping unhitch me from the hurried sickness of the culture in which I tread. And it's actually helping open up my ears and my life. And you will wrestle with the voices that begin to surface in your life you'll wrestle with the desires that begin to boil up to the surface. Richard Foster says this, we must clearly understand and underscore that it is our real task in solitude, is to create space in our lives where God can reach us. Once that space has been created, we wait quietly and expectantly. From that point on, the work belongs to God, not you. You're about trying to take and position yourself, posture yourself, to be still and to be quiet. And I know for a lot of you, maybe this is like, okay, you're a pastor, you work one day a week, like you could do this. Like I work, you know, 60 hours a week, I don't know how to do solitude. Like I get it. Um, I work more than one day a week, just so you know. But like this idea of solitude is, how do, you, how do you cram that into like real life? How do you do this? And so I'll give you a couple tips in this. Um, I love this time of year because I drive with my windows down, and I take the music and I turn it off. I'm the weird guy who drives around town with no music, no podcast, nothing. Just me and my thoughts, praying, listening, Learning to listen to myself and the voices and the desires that surface and I go, oh, that's ugly, Lord forgive me for that. Um, I I guess you really need to reshape that part of my heart, I wanna give that to you. Oh, I'm thinking of so and so, I need to pray for them and so I'll pray And, and I'm learning that. That's not easy to do but that has been the practice the last four or five years of my life. I hardly ever have music on unless my kids are in the car because I know they love music. But when it's just me, it's quiet. It would probably drive some of you crazy. Uh, But what if you tried it for one day? Uh, What if you could steal away at lunchtime from the office and just find a park and sit at a park bench for half an hour and have your lunch there and not talk to anybody, but just to be still, to be quiet? Uh, What if you got up an extra 15 minutes early And you just sat in your favorite chair, maybe looking out the window with your cup of coffee, and you just were quiet. I know for some of you who are moms and you got kids running around, like, that seems like a dream. So you look at your husband right now and say, I need more of that. And so this is where you hand the kid off and you go, I'm going to go steal some time. And then you create space for maybe your husband to do that. Solitude rarely happens unless you schedule it. It will not happen by accident. So you have to kind of determine. Uh, I try to set aside one day a month where I'm just alone. I, often I would drive up to Mount Lemon. I've got a hammock. I love my hammock. And I'll hammock and I'll pray and I'll read and I'll listen and I'll journal. And that's my day. Why? Because Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, to Eremos, and prayed. And so if Jesus did it, then I feel like I need to do that. And that's the invitation for you, is to begin to practice this. Silence, on the other hand, is, it kind of deepens our experience of solitude. Silence is not only withdrawing from the demands of life, the noise of life around us, uh, we kind of want to release our agendas and our need for control, which is hard for most of us, And we want to become more willing to listen in and lean in. Dallas Willard says, silence is frightening because it strips us as nothing else does. Let's just try it for one minute. You ready? silence is just trying to turn down the noise of life so that eventually we can turn up the voice of God. And we live in a culture, in in, in in a moment, where noise is all around us. In fact, about the only place that you actually find quiet is in the shower, probably. And even that, for a lot of my kids, have music going. And so this isn't railing on iTunes or anything like that. I love music, but there's something about silence sometimes. I'm trying to now, when I pray, a more contemplative style of prayer is I'm just quiet for a minute before I say anything. What if you just tried that? That in your prayer times, you just got quiet for a minute and remember who you're praying to, the one who created this world. If you stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon, the one who created that, actually has an ear attentive to you. Remember that. That's why Ecclesiastes says, come near to God, but let your words be few. You're not all that in a bag of chips. God's big, you're a little. Remember that. And so it's this invitation uh, maybe silence is a way of just trying to quiet the noise of the life around us, but it's also trying to quiet the inner voices that we wrestle with. For some of you, um, you have a lot of voices that were spoken over you, a lot of voices that are spoke at you, a lot of agendas, a lot of, a lot of narratives. And what you'll find that when you begin to lean into solitude and silence is those begin to surface. And the gift is that you can bring those to your heavenly Father and say, these are the narratives, these are the hurts, these are the agendas, these are the voices that have spoken over me. Are these true? And allow the Holy Spirit to say, nope. Why are you listening to them? Why are you letting them run your life? Why are you chasing after all these things? This is Jesus and Matthew. The pagans run after all these things. God knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom. And all these things will be added unto you. Maybe one of the best things you could do is just find a quiet place, create a quiet place for yourself, and just find a verse. Maybe it's, um, uh, often I'll try a. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I'll just repeat that over and over. And I'll I'll listen to what word is kind of jumping out to the surface this week. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And it just begins to calm your soul. It, it, it is part of what Dallas talks about, this detangling from the lures and the nets of the world around us to help us. And then maybe part of silence also is practicing not always speaking. See, when you're a leader, most of the people look to you and to have a word to say. When you're in charge, when you're a manager, when you're overseeing a bunch of people, and many of you do in your jobs and occupations, or as parents, you're to have the word. What if you actually put yourself in a position where you didn't have to speak for a little bit? See, that's part of silence, too. Not just quieting the noise around us, but also quieting ourselves. It's hard to practice this stuff. James chapter 1 and chapter 3 talks about the power of the tongue. And how we are to understand that this very small part of our body can create great fires, can wreck a lot of things. I got to go um, to a monastery a few um, months ago, and we ate breakfast in silence, which is really weird. It's really weird. To walk into breakfast with 40 other people Some of them dressed as monks, some of them not dressed as monks, and we didn't say a word the whole time. And here's what I began to find in myself. I didn't like it. Why? Because around food, I want to have conversation. I'm trying to connect with the people around me, but the gift by the end of the third day was I got to actually just listen for God. Sometimes he said something, sometimes he didn't. Sometimes we were just present with one another and just enjoying each other's company and that's all it was. Why? Because I enjoy having breakfast with Amy and I don't have to talk to her every single moment of every single day. I can just be present. That's the gift of solitude and silence, this invitation to, to lean into this. C.S. Lewis um, talks about in his satire work the Screwtape Letters which is written from a a demon's perspective of how they're trying to tempt uh, humans, right? And it's a great uh, satire and he talks about how as the demons railing against silence is a danger for their cause senior demon Screwtape calls the devil's realm a kingdom of noise and claims we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. Could it be That that is why so much noise runs over our life. Because we let the enemy's noise drown out, the still small voice of the whispering, loving heart and voice of the Father. Also, it begins to wrestle with quieting your own voices, as I mentioned. Solitude and silence, there's nothing like it that begins to bring out the tapes and to bring out the narratives, to bring out the voices that you have let run your life. For some, it's a victim mentality, and they live from that. For others, true woundedness, that's hard to get past or get over or get around. And yet the narratives and the tapes that run there are lies straight from the pit. And they don't have to define you. In fact, the hope of Jesus is that you are a new creation in him as a follower of him. That our faith in the gospel is that Jesus did what you cannot do and what I cannot do. And he did that for you. Because he loves you. And he's invited you to follow him. And maybe in our day and age, Dallas would talk about solitude and silence being the fundamental practices that for people in the 21st century need more and more. So I will say, testimonial, eight years in to trying to practice this more and more, I am so glad I wrestled through the early days of this because it is a gift now. I got to go to a pastor's um, gathering a World Vision on Friday, I'm going to admit something to you. I went to one conference session. There were four. I went to one. I ditched the other three. I hung out in my hotel in the quiet place. I worked on my sermon a little bit. But I just tried to quiet my soul, just leaned in. I went to a movie by myself. Jesus Revolution, loved it, recommend it. I sat by myself. I didn't talk to anybody. It was awesome. I went to lunch by myself. It was awesome. It, it's just trying to practice these rhythms because the, really these practices are an invitation for us. Silence and solitude supply good fuel, really God fuel. And so I just want to encourage you, as followers of Christ we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. So find some simple practices. Here's the invitation for you as the worship team begins to come. Psalm 131 is a great psalm if you're new to this. It's a great psalm to sit with and practice. So we're going to practice it tonight, and then we're going to sing into this last song called Be Still. So we're going to kind of create a moment here and invite you into it. In Psalm 131, uh, Olivia, if we can put that up, I'm just gonna read this over you, and here's what I'm gonna invite you to do, to just simply close your eyes and let me read this over you, and you just listen for a word or a phrase that God might be whispering over you. Maybe there's something that stands out to you, and then I'm gonna pause, and you can open your eyes after you hear it, And you can read through it once or twice on your own. But in practicing silence and solitude, we're just trying to find moments to tune in and attune ourselves to God. So here's Psalm 131, verse one and two. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not howdy. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk, yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. As you begin to practice silence and solitude, listen. What voices are clamoring, shouting loudly in your life? What might God want to speak into your life to quiet those voices? And listen for his loving whisper. And so take a moment, read that back over for yourself. We'll take 30 seconds and quiet. And then we're going to sing. Father, I pray for us as your children. Maybe some of us here just kind of searching out spiritual things. May we begin to be surprised by the whisper of your loving voice to begin to call for our attention. God, for some, the chaos commotion of life is so loud, shouts, would your whisper breakthrough. that they are loved they are known they are treasured they are valued may we as the psalmist says be still and know that you're God which means I'm not you're the one in control not me You're the one who can solve the issues. You're the one with the wisdom for the decisions that lie before us. You're the good shepherd who longs to lead us, that, our, our, that we would hear the voice of the shepherd and follow. Father, would you teach us and lead us, Savior, into this practice of solitude and silence? pray for my friends, would you surprise them with the gift of your presence and your voice of love, of wisdom, of delight, as they begin to practice. As the commotion swirls around us, may we like Jesus often withdraw to the hermos to pray. God, may your love and mercy, your peace and kindness rest. Follow beside, behind, above, and below. Each of your dearly loved children. May that rest with you, walk with you this week. As we get ready to leave, just a couple quick closing uh, thoughts uh, to let you know about. um, You know, we love our volunteers around here. We got to celebrate with a lot of them uh, yesterday. And so just there's service teams that you could be a part of with eKids or greeting or tech or worship. And so if you have been around here a while and you want to maybe check out serving on a team, it's a good way of being connected. Uh, You can serve with us at our second Saturday food distribution, which we pack the food on Friday, this coming Friday at Carry Ministries, and we give out the food that's coming second Saturday right here at the parking lot, 8 a.m. until it's done, usually around 9, 15. So we'd love to invite you to that. It's an easy on-ramp for that. Um, next after-party, March 19th, coming up. It's the start of March Madness. We'll have some games on. We'll have a couple food trucks here. We'll hang out afterwards. It'll be a fun time. Marriage retreat is in August. It's the second weekend of August, and it's open now to reserve your spot in the app. You can find that information. You can kind of put a deposit down to save your spot for that. If you want to join us, we're doing that with Emmanuel Baptist uh, as we have the last few years. So if you're a married couple here, we'd love to invite you uh, to that. And then the last thing I want to let you know about, we just kind of went in with um, tonight, uh, or sorry, went in this week with Emmanuel. We are going to do an Easter family festival on April 1st. No joking, like for real. April 1st from 10 to 2. So here's the pitch, okay? Um, This is open to the entire community. The banner's going up this week. People are invited to it. Here's why we're doing it. We had 29 kids two weeks ago. We're doing it for those 29 kids and for one family of each of those families that they can invite to be a part of that. Now, The invitation is if you're in college, you're a young adult, you're an older adult that doesn't have kids, you're going to join me to be part of the hospitality crew in serving and helping run our inflatable games and the snow cone machine and the popcorn and making hot dogs and all that kind of stuff. But if you're a family, you don't have to help. You just come. Your job is to bring a family with you. The rest of us are going to serve you. Okay, so that's the invitation. So starting next week, if you want to help sign up to be part of the hospitality crew with me and with Lyle, it'd be awesome. I don't know where Lyle went. He went out there. Okay, so um, you can be a part of that with us. We'll have a sign-up sheet for that. Uh, but if you're a family here, we're, we're challenging you and giving you an opportunity to invite. we got an obstacle course, jumping castles, hot dogs, popcorn, all the, like everything. And we'll sugar your kid up and then send them home. It'll be awesome. Um, and they get to hunt for eggs. It'll be fun. All right. So, tonight, uh, dinner, we usually have a group that goes out for dinner. Uh, we have free pizza tonight uh, at Barrows Pizza uh, off of, is it Wilmot? Right? Off of Wilmot. Uh, there's already pizzas that have been bought. So, like, if you've been thinking about trying to go to dinner, but you're like, you're broke right now wow, it worked out well for you. Um, and so, like, it's paid for. We'd love to invite you to that in about 20, 25 minutes. We'll be there. Uh, so feel free to make your way there. If you have kids, you can go grab those. Feel free to, to mingle here. We're blessed. If you are new, I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party, which happens right back there in about 30 seconds. Uh, it's 10 minutes. You got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for you if you're new. Thanks for taking a chance on us. If you're online, we love you. We'll see you soon. God bless you. May his May his kindness and his peace and love rest upon you this week, friends. We'll see you next week.